0: Hello, welcome to the Man on Podcast. Sorry there's no intro music, uh, sorry there's no live stream, uh, but Darren is tied up with uh, with the family, so it's me and Craig today. Um, how are you doing Craig,
1: you right. Yeah, good, looking forward to this. It's a shame Darren can't make it because I needed him to do some explaining for some of the things he's done for this podcast. He's not able to defend himself now, so I kind of feel like we have to defend him for him, which I feel a bit uncomfortable I know. doing really
0: yeah and I, I did a quick look at the slides and you've properly thrown him under the bus here so yeah he's not, he's not here to defend himself but um yeah never mind we'll do our best um so what we're going to look at today then um is how differential do you need to be to gain a top 10, 10k finish so this is a follow-on from the pod we did last week about how many good weeks do you need for a high rank how many bad weeks can you afford um how did we do compared to the winner in terms of our game week histories how many good weeks did he have compared to us did he have any bad weeks how many more than us that kind of thing so it's very much a follow-on um to then look at okay so how do we put what we learned into practice so anybody listening that's um, had a few weeks off of the content um and uh is maybe catching up with stuff and isn't listening to things in order um if you haven't listened to the one last week um what was it called last week um uh it's got rank in the title of it yeah like how to achieve a high rank or something so if you haven't listened to that yet i'd recommend you listen to them in order um but yeah anything else to add craig on what we're going to look at today before we get into (laughs) it Um, yeah pretty
1: pretty much it is more um last week was i think very data-based in terms of Here's someone else's rank, here's our rank, here's where we went wrong. This one, I think, allows for a little bit more discussion. So I don't think there's, not there's any right or wrong in any of this stuff, but I certainly think tonight's what we're going to talk about is a discussion. There's not a right or wrong with this, and it's maybe how we play the game. I think it's more the opportunity for us to become more aware of how we play. I know you said last week, towards the end, that you're sort of maybe going to approach the game quite differently this year to how you've approached it before. And I think this is another sort of way of trying to gain an understanding of how you play the game and whether that's when you actually realise how you play the game, are you actually happy playing it like that? Because some people may play it differently and, th- and feel like, I enjoy playing it this way, I get good um, results playing it this way, or I get the satisfaction I want from FPL playing it this way. Other people might just not be aware that how they play and it is so different and there may be when they have well, it out to them. They may think, "Hang on, this isn't maybe the best way to play. I want to change." And I think this way, maybe with us two discussing it tonight, I think we'll probably get a better understanding of how we play, and maybe get some understanding if we want to play like this, or whether it's just kind of how we do it instinctively rather than through want almost. So I think I think that's going to be the idea, at least in advance. We haven't really discussed this in advance at all, even us two. So who knows where this is going to go? But that's the plan anyway. So we'll we'll, we'll start off with um some chat around eo anyone that talks to me privately will know it's one of my regular sort of things i discuss Um, and it impacts more decisions than i think i'd like it to if i'm being blunt with myself S- certainly if i've got a 50 50 call i will tend to look at the eo of players and then pick the one that's the higher owned even if i'm not completely convinced they're the better player um for those that aren't aware that like EO, eo is, is the expected ownership uh, effective ownership um, effective, yeah, effective ownership I shouldn't have that because I don't even know what the, the abbreviation <laughs> means <laughs> But yeah, it's effectively into a game week how highly owned someone is So you'll see on the graph or on the table on, on the screen there's players over 100% So how that works is captains and triple captains are taken into account So obviously the most owned player could they could really be is 100% if every manager in the game owned them But if then of the people captain them as well their ownership would go up so this is quite what I've put on the screen is maybe quite a regular occurrence from the season just gone you'd get Haaland somewhere around 150% I think quite normal maybe even higher in in certain game weeks there'd probably be a second or maybe even in some cases a third player with an ownership of around about 100 maybe just borderline going over the top and then a couple um, just under 100% and where do you stand with this? First of all, Martin, do you like to? We we'll, we'll start off with. Do you like having these top five players covered in your team? Do you look at that sort of thing when making a transfer, um, as as the coverage? Yeah, I started to now. Is this again, this is the kind
0: of thing. Like before we started doing the pod, I wouldn't have given it a second thought. I wouldn't have even known. I mean, I knew, I knew what you know. Uh, you could see percent ownerships and things, but it never used to occur to me like, oh yeah, but if someone's captain, then that takes them over a hundred percent and all this kind of thing. So so now I kind of think um I don't like to be in a position where I'm down to ten men or even nine men effectively, right? Because if someone's over a hundred percent and you don't own them, then um then you're in big trouble, right? You you you're effectively wanting them to fail. Um unless unless you've captained them. So, I mean, I know we're going to come on to captaincy anyway, but yeah, if a player is going to be over 100%, that makes me really uncomfortable then. And when it comes to captaincy, if somebody's going to be over 100% and then you go and captain somebody else, you've effectively got a player in your team that you want to fail, right? So I'm not a big fan of that. So I will tend to just captain them.
1: It's really awkward, this part on the screen, because I would normally captain Haaland. Obviously, it's game-dependent, situation-dependent, but typically in the season, just gone Haaland 140%, yeah, he's my captain. And as you say, then, if you own Salah, what do you want him to do? Because you've only got one piece of his points. So, effectively, if he gets a massive fall, you're probably down. But equally, you probably want him covered, because at least you get one lot of his points. And the amount over 100% in this example, at least, isn't that high. So I I feel like the top five here are all high enough. So Trippier, for those that are on audio, is at 87% in this example on the screen. I would want all five of these in my team, because if any of these five players do well, I'm probably struggling. Uh, Or they're going to have a harmful impact on my rank, I think, if someone of this high ownership does well. And I think this is something that's grown on me this season. I used to look at ownership, and it was in the back of my mind, and I did consider it. But now, I think I'm probably more aware of the damage it does if a high-owned player does well and I don't have them. And it's more on my conscience week to week that there's been plenty of weeks towards the end of the season, for example, Trippier, where I kind of looked at the fixtures and thought he hasn't been getting points lately. Maybe his role's slightly changed, in the bonus as much. I don't really fancy Newcastle for a clean sheet today. But then I look at his ownership and think it is going to be about 70 80%. If he happens to get a clean sheet... An assist from a corner, and then max bonus as a result of those two things. That's an 11-12 pointer there for him. Yeah, Is it worth the risk of benching him for, I don't know, my third defender was up playing, so let's say John Stones in my case. John Stones is capable of attacking returns, is capable of bonus, but realistically, most weeks, he's going to get six. I'm going to bench, I'm going to play Stones with a better fixture to bench Trippier, who's got the potential to haul in any game. And it's just not worth the risk. And I think I don't know if many managers view it like this, but I think it's yeah. a hard decision. When you look at someone with a high ownership, and you look at their something about them, whether I say whether it's the picture, whether they're not now to play that game with you, say whether you've got concerns over their minutes, um, and you look at their high ownership, and you think I'm tempted to bench them here, and then you think, well, well hang on, but if their ownership is this high, is it worth the risk? And I think if you're going to finish in the top ten k, you probably want to be playing these players. You you may get away with it once, benching them for someone else. You may get away with it twice. So maybe it's those sort of calls where you that will define you from finishing top ten k to winning. I know yeah. that Ali, the guy that won, I think there was a week I, I looked into it when Haaland was the most popular captain. I think it was a home to Fulham, and I think he only got one goal for six points. Ali captained Salah that week away to Tottenham, which you would argue is a harder game. Salah got two goals and 15 points, I think, so only got 30 points off Salah and everyone else got 12 off Haaland. So I would say that he was quite lucky in that week. There wasn't an obvious reason to do that move. harlan has got a home games, minutes, I think, were quite safe. i say it's come off for Ali in that instance, a fair play to him, but for doing that. And there'll be weeks here where we might want to look at what's on the screen. You and at home or bench a Trippier, and think yeah, it could it could pay off. But I think more often than not, if you want to finish in the top ten k, you, you carry on playing these players. I think
0: yeah, I I think the the thing is if um if we bring it you know bringing it back to last week a bit, we're looking at you know how many bad weeks can you afford? If you've only got two or even three of these guys right, and the two you haven't got have a have a really good week. Then, then all of a sudden you're staring at a 5 million, maybe even 6 million plus game week rank right that you could easily have avoided. Um, and we saw last week that you can't afford too many of those. Um, so,
1: yeah. Yeah, so I think that's lesson number one that I think EO should be in the forefront of our minds. Not the, the overall top of the, the list in terms of decisive factors for making a decision, but I think it's worth having one eye on it if you don't now and thinking... Yeah, just have a look at what the risk is for benching someone that is quite highly owned. And so we'll, we'll talk about the captaincy part on, the, on, the, on the future side, there's a future slide, but there's an argument around that as well. What risk to take? Is it worth it? I've also put another table on the right here of Newcastle players. And if you look at the combined EO here of all of these, you're looking at just over 100%. So again, I think most of this season we probably... I mean, many of us had Trippier. There will be some of us that owned two, but I had Botman for a big chunk of the season, certainly after the World Cup I did. I, I think I poked before the World Cup as well, so I think pretty much all season I owned two Newcastle defenders. It, it changed which two. But you can see here that the EO of all of the group combined is over 100%. So again, in this situation, if you only own, own Trippier and Newcastle keep a clean sheet, you're actually down because... There's probably a fair chance some people, well, a decent number of people, have got two. So, something else to bear in mind. This is somewhere where I'm not so clued up. I haven't been on top of this so much with Brighton midfielders. I haven't been on top of this with Brighton. Defe- I didn't own a Brighton defender for the end of the season. And I looked at his stupid ownership and it was fairly high, but I didn't look at it and think that's that damaging. But then I didn't really compare it to what how many of those people had Dunk or how many of those had steal, or how many of those had someone else. And maybe the, the combined deal of a Brighton defender was over 100. I, I don't know the answer to that, if it was for definite. But something else to bear in mind here, that certainly for defences, I know some people are more in favour of double or triple ups in defence than other people are. Some people like to split their five defenders amongst five different teams. And we can talk about that now if, if we want. But I don't know if you look at this sort of thing when picking defenders the combined ownership of teams uh it's
0: not it's funny actually because it is something that i do think about in sky but not so much for fpl and there's no good reason why i would do it for one and not the other really. <laughs> so, um, so i mean well, i suppose in sky the, the ceiling for defenders is higher right and it's more consistent so it can be more of a problem if it goes wrong um so i suppose there's that to it but um but yeah, it's definitely it's definitely something to think about. And um, yeah, not something say FPL wise. It's not something I have considered too much in the past. But maybe that's um, maybe that's a way to improve my game as well. You know, when you've got when you've got a close call to make, maybe a deciding factor could be, well, actually doubling up on this team rather than having one of each um, is is going to protect my rank or um, you know is going to is going to stop me from having those really bad weeks. You know, if they do keep a clean sheet, so. Yeah, it's definitely something to think about going forward.
1: I think there are plenty of weeks where you look at your five defenders, you, you two pick themselves, and then you're looking at the other three and thinking, I'm not quite sure who to play from these three. Maybe they've all got an away game where you're not really fancying any clean sheets from any of them, or one's got a hard home game or something, and you think, oh, I'll play this one because he's got more attacking capabilities, or this one because he's on, on corners or something. But this might be another approach to look at it. I know there are some managers that when they've got a tight call think, using the example of newcastle i'll just play Botman because i do think they've got half a chance of a clean sheet in newcastle and trippier by himself probably puts me on a red arrow i say in this instance it's not so bad i think the, the total here is like 107 so mm. you won't lose that much really um if you only had one um, and obviously yeah, trippier has yeah. got other routes to points as well apart from the clean sheet but it, it's just something to bear in mind that it might not be something people look at now but could be another yeah, way definitely. to make some choices yeah, I th- I think I had weeks this
0: season where I played like Geki over Botman, and if I'd thought about this, I'd have picked Botman, and that would have been
1: better. Uh, for example, <laughs> for, for you know for example, uh, yeah. And I think going into next year, there's probably a decent chance we will end up with three cheap defenders. Right, we may end up with four cheap defenders. I think most teams will will do pods before the season starts on optimal sort of use of squad in terms of money and things like that. Do we want? for higher-priced defenders and decisions like this. But I think most of the time we'll end up with at least one 4.5 defender and probably one 4 million defender. Um, and maybe cases where you want two 4.5 defenders to put more money into the attack. So if you've got two, you may be doubling up on a team where... You know, I don't know if this is so straightforward for the, for the start of the season. We don't quite know how good defensively certain teams are. But certainly when it sort of gets to middle of the season and latter parts of the season, it's probably something more to consider. Um, and that's it for EO. I don't know if you've got anything else to touch on. No, let's move on. Let's move let's on. Let's move on. So, we'll move on to captaincy. So, I've changed the EO numbers here. So, Haaland's up to 180%, um, which again I think is, was common in some game weeks last year. Salah's now dropped to 94, Rashford to 89, Matoma 78, Trippier 77. So, slightly different week. Um, and I've posed some sort of information, heading some fake information about the game week to try and decipher who would you decide to captain here. So these are the set of circumstances heading into the game week. So Haaland has blanked in his last two games and his game in this particular week would be Brentford at home, who I think are quite notorious for being quite a hard team to beat. They're quite a hard team to play against. They're capable of getting results against anyone. So not typically a team I would choose to captain someone against, uh, I would say, is Brentford. In normal circumstances. Then you've got Salah, who comes into this game banging form, where Harland's blanked in his last two. Salah's got seven in his last three. He's got Wolves away. Um, We can debate now what we think is a better fixture on paper. Brentford at home, Wolves away. I think we'd probably conclude you be there's not much in that. Then there's Rashford. He's got a better fixture than both of them on paper. He's at home to Nottingham Forest. And also Nottingham Forest have got an injury. Uh, issue in goal, and they're playing an unknown teenager in goal. So there's three players there. We've got Harland at 180% EO, Salah at 94, and Rushford at 89. All three of those players will say are on penalties. There's no concern about all three of them missing. They've had decent rest um, before the game week and decent rest coming after this game week. So we expect all three to start. Who would you captain in these circumstances, um, knowing all that information? Yeah,
0: well, historically, I would captain Rashford, and this is why I don't ever finish in the top ten k, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so it depends, doesn't it? I mean, it, again, like a couple of years doing the pod and all the things. Just my my thinking on this is 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 coming round to well, just captain Ireland because Rashford is under a hundred percent there, right? So if Rashford returns, it's still good news. Um, so it's not like you're. It's not like you you know, you don't want Rashford to score anymore. Whereas if you if you do captain Rashford, then not only do you need Rashford to do well, but you also need Haaland to do poorly. So you now need two outcomes to go in your favour, right? Yeah. Instead of just one. Um, so 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 the way I think now I would captain Haaland, because if they both do well, then that's all well and good. Happy days. Um, if Rashford does well but Harlan doesn't, again, no harm done. But if Haaland does, if um, if I've captain Rashford and he doesn't do well and Haaland does, then again, I'm, I'm staring in the face of a
1: six, seven million game week rank, aren't I? And it was easily avoidable. Yeah, and these, we obviously don't know heading into each game week and each deadline exactly what these EOs are going to be. So I, I say these set of circumstances are quite unique. This isn't really going to happen in the season. It's, it's more than likely if this was known heading into a game week, I think Rashford's EO would be over 100 I agree, looking at that information I think I'd captain Rashford, he's a midfielder he's got a, a team not right in the forest so generally you can see goals and they've got they face a lot of shots and they've got a goalkeeper in goal that we don't know much about, Is unlikely to be as good as the, the other goalkeeper. So if you're looking at someone who's going to most likely to get a 15-pointer, he's probably here but again, it comes down to risk appetite and rank protection and as you say, I think Haaland is now the safe move in this circumstance and the challenge is now picking the weeks as harlem doesn't haul every week right there are weeks you can take him on and i think i said last week mm. that there was three or four weeks i did decide to take him on this year and got it wrong every time but there was plenty of other weeks around the weeks where i did captain him where he only got six or seven and the alternative maybe got ten um and I, but um and there's a little bit of game there it's not actually as much as you think if you own both and Harlan gets let's say he get 7 you get 14 for the captain and you get the 10 for the other player you get 24 if you captain the other player you get 27 so you're only losing yeah. 3 points there's not even, it's still like a million game week rank or there or thereabouts based on what we saw last week but I think this is a decision to for a lot of managers to learn from that sometimes it ain't about captaining the player you think has got the best chance of a haul which sounds a bit daft to say that because logic would say you always pick the best you think you should captain the player you think is going to get the highest score right that should be a logical approach but I think it goes a bit deeper than that now because as you say the damage you can do if Harland even is unexpected gets a haul I think you summed it up pretty well that you now need two outcomes to go in your favour not one yeah and it's very boring to keep Captain Harland if we do expect EO to be over 100 every week um I think it's the way you have to play what would you do here if this just go back to we'll, I'm not going to take the slide back but the percentages on the last slide: at Harlem 140 Salah 113 Rashford 108 or something like that would you yeah. still Captain Harland or would you be more inclined to then Captain one of the other two if the ownership's over 100 uh yeah still
0: quite a big difference isn't it if it was 140 I would still do it that's still that's still a million plus game week rank isn't it if it goes wrong probably more
1: than that yeah and rashford as you say that what at 107 the damage is not insignificant but say so if you've still got him, it's probably not that much of a loss so I I, I think a, a general uh, use the word loosely rule, should be just the captain highest the only player. Unless there's going to be two around, say there's one at 150 and one at 145, then obviously you've got a decision to make. That's a 50-50 call then, really. But I don't know where the line is you draw if a captain's, what, 130 plus? Or maybe 150 plus? I don't know. There's not a clear line for this, but I think anywhere sort of up near 160, 170, I think is a guaranteed captain for me moving forward for this next season now. Just yeah. because it's not worth the risk. Get it wrong. And it's, again, as you say, probably about 5 million game week rent guaranteed, isn't it? If your alternative gets less. So, cool. there are some thoughts on Captain C. Um, we'll go on. And here's some chip usage stats for us three. I mean, you and Darren, for the season just gone. And again, I wanted to sort of look into... Another area where you can be quite template. So we've already looked at maybe being template on captains, looking being quite template on high ownership players. Now, do we need to be template on when we use our chips? So we we're all different enough. I think you was probably the most template Martin um, looking into. It. I think we obviously we we both used our wild, first wild card in game week eight. Historically, that's quite late for me. Um, I tend to use my first one around game week five or six, Darren, New season six, because I, I sort of pick for the first five or six weeks. And obviously the deadline that you pass is we kind of, by game week six, everyone's back. I think there's been situations in the past where players have been at like summer tournaments or had delays coming back to training. So you're not quite sure in the first four or five weeks if everyone's fully fit, if people are maybe not straight back into the first team because they have been given extra rest. Obviously, say so you've got new signings that may come in the end of August that need to bed in. I think by a sort of game week six, you kind of, everyone should be back fit. And you kind of know within reason what most teams' best eleven is. So I think that's quite a good time to wildcard. And when you've got all the information that's available to you, is probably then available. But I think for whatever reason, this year's circumstance, I think I got through the, the next couple of weeks without really feeling like I wanted to change too much and end up getting to game week eight. Yeah, was um, it? An inter-
0: I think it was, it was an international break, wasn't it? I think I'm pretty sure.
1: Was the uh the yeah. complete blank game week somewhere around then as well? Was that or, week was,
0: Oh yes, yeah, that's that's it. There was a yeah, there was a break. Um, yeah.
1: So I think that's that's
0: probably why a lot of people did it then because you had time to assess things. But
1: yeah, but normally I think game week five or six is quite a good time to do it. And I think, I don't know how common that is. I think, say, Ali, you won it. I think he didn't use his first wild card to about 10 or 11. And if you have got, or well, this year at least, you did have the chance to use it any time before midpoint of the season, before the World Cup. But I don't know when the sort of common time was initially. I, I guess we probably used our first wild card at quite a common time, I would think. I think game week eight would have been, as you say, for the fact we had the break and it was international. It, was, it lent into that. I think that possibly, I don't remember there being many big fixture changes. Um this year around then usually you get one big team runs into a bad run of games, another big team get a big fixture improvement. And that's the logical time to pay your first wild card to take advantage of that swing. But interesting, all three of us use our second wild card at the same time as well. Game week twenty six. I can't remember what was significant. Um I'm trying to remember now what was going on around then. It was twenty seven the blank. Yeah, games. it was
0: it- it was it was blanks wasn't it so I think I think man City had a blank so it was an opportunity not to have Harland for a couple of weeks wasn't it and then um, and then getting back when city started to have doubles so yeah I think that was it there was there was some significant blanks if I remember rightly so it was setting up setting yourself up for that
1: and it was, I, I guess again it was common depending on your chip strategy was when you new to second World Cup. because obviously it's advice to improve what you're doing with your other chips so I don't think we played any of those two chips wrong not that there's a right or a wrong but i think we was fairly in line with most people with with the first two it's the other three chips where it goes wild i'm going to go to darren first not here to defend himself first up but two of the other three chips before the um before the world cup is fairly fairly brave going i think because most people tend to use all their chips late on don't they the fact he's used a free hit in game week 12 and a bench boost in game week 16 doesn't strike me as optimum strategy if you want to call it that or, or common chip usage he's gone a bit off piece with uh, with those decisions
0: I don't know if you've been yeah. yeah. necessarily wrong
1: I can't remember I can't remember
0: why he did it to be honest <laughs> but but let's say I'm not saying this is why Darren did it but for the sake of conversation if we bring it back <laughs> to um, again something we spoke about last week where we looked at Ali the winner's Game week rank history um, and, and compared our own game week histories, I think there can be a tendency if you get off to a bad start to, to start throwing chips at it. Um whereas actually you don't necessarily need to make an amazing start. Um so just for people listening that might have that might be feeling oh, I didn't use my chips at the right time, but you know, I felt I had to chase it. Um again, if we Referenced last week's pod. If you haven't listened to it yet, you know we demonstrated that actually, um, you know your early your early overall rank doesn't necessarily mean a great deal as long as you're as long as you're going along steady with your sort of average game week rank. So I don't know whether that's what Darren did, whether he was just trying to chase things, um, but yeah, maybe maybe there's a point there about you know. You can't use it even if you feel that you're a bit behind, um, if you feel like you're using chips at a time that's not optimal, then, um, you know, you probably don't need to do that.
1: Game week 12, from memory, wasn't going to be any sort of major week for any sort of blanks or doubles. Now, I don't think there's a right or wrong. Do you use a free hit to cover a blank game week or do you use a free hit to attack a double game week? I think both of those... A viable strategies and a team dependent for how you're looking at those particular two weeks. So I don't know if any real preference should use it to cover a blank week or should use it to attack the double, but I'm guessing game week 12, he just looked at his team and thought, I don't like a lot of these players this week. They may have had away games or they'll play in Arsenal Mm -hmm. Man City teams like that, but I'm sure he probably would have got 11 players out quite comfortably without a hit. And he may have had a bad game week ranked that week, four or five million, just because his team maybe hadn't prepared properly for a couple of weeks beforehand to set himself up well for that week. But yeah, it doesn't seem like a, a reason to to blow a chip on it because there's going to be way more upside down the line, I would think, for to use it in one of the other weeks later on in the season. I think FPL do have to maybe do something to try and force people to use more chips in the first half. Maybe, I don't know if it's extra ones or putting certain rules on certain chips because... Otherwise, people are just going to save all their chips for the last sort of 10 game weeks, right? To, because that's when doubles and blanks tend to appear because of yeah. cup runs and things. And people are always going to use chips in one way or another to cover that. There's no incentive to me at the moment to use any of the other three chips early in the season. Yeah, yeah, no, agreed, yeah. And I say Darren's used to... Bench boost is a bit trickier because... I'm guilty of this. I used mine in 22. Darren used these in 16. I used mine in the week. I think there was one double or two doubles. Leeds definitely played in it. Um, and I had Nonto in my team at the time. And he had a double. It wasn't the most amazing, but he was borderline. I was I was struggling whether to pick him or not. Even though he had a double, there was plenty of singles in that week where I had more faith in the players to get something. And then I look at it and think, I don't really want to bench this doubler, but if I don't bench him, I'm going to have to bench an Arsenal player who's got a good home game or something. And I looked at my three non players, and two of them were at home. I think I had Botman playing at home to like Bournemouth or something. And I had another defender who had a, let's say, Rico Henry playing at home to Nottingham Forest. I had a goalkeeper with a home game. So I had my four subs, three of them had home games against bottom half teams, and the other one had a double. Now, I didn't get as much use from that bench. I think I got about 20 points from that bench boost where I guess the optimum week where most people bench boost with four doublers on the bench probably got about 30. So again, I didn't necessarily use it well when I could have saved it for a better time. But at the time of using mine, the the fixture setup for upcoming game weeks was unknown because there was obviously other cup games and replays and stuff still to be decided that was going to dictate what happened in future game weeks. Um mm-hmm. so you, it turned out well for those that waited, but at the time when I was looking at my team, I thought, am I gonna get a chance here to play? I'm getting five fixtures from my four subs. They're all quite good. Um, I didn't want to get caught having to hold a wild card to play the week before a bench boost just to try and get a bench boost with four doublers out, and potentially wild card with a full squad of 15, where Because I'd already used my bench boost, it meant I could basically dead-end one of my bench spots because I didn't have to consider the bench boost to come afterwards. So I still think there was valid reasons why I played the bench boost in that week, even though I probably lost 10, 15 points on likes of yourself when you played yours and others that played after me. I don't necessarily have any strong thoughts again about rights or wrongs or when to play bench boost. So I didn't get the max out of mine, but the reason seemed, at least in my head, quite valid.
0: Yeah, no, I yeah I remember talking about your bench boost at the time and I think for you it was the right thing to do because if you hadn't played it when you did, it would have influenced, you know, the weeks either side of your bench boost for your strategy and what you wanted to do, wouldn't it? So you do have to remember with the chips that, you know, it's all very well getting 25 points on your bench boost but if you've lost 30 points because your team was not optimal you know the weeks leading up to it and the weeks afterwards then then what have you actually gained right so i think i do th- i do think ideally you just you just play it when you've got when you've got a full team of doublers, especially in a season like this i don't know how easy that's going to be next year because you know touchwood there's going to be less disruption to the season um so hopefully it's only going to be you know a handful of teams that that need double game weeks, right? Because maybe somebody's gone deep. Um, Man City are going to have to club World Cup, aren't they? And if you've got mm-hmm. a team that's, a team that's gone deep in Europe and deep in the League yeah. Cup and things. But, I think, I don't think there's, I don't think there's necessarily a right answer because, um, yeah, what I just said really, you know, like for you, you, you wanted the optimum team the weeks either the side of it and that's absolutely, that's absolutely cool. Like, you
1: understood the reasons you were doing it, so. Just unfortunately, I don't have that in, I probably hindered my rank rather than helped it because I went sort of my own direction and, and didn't follow the crowd in, in this particular instance. My triple captain, I didn't triple captain Harlan, the same week. I'm guessing that was who yours was on. Was it in game week 20? Was it a Haaland double? Or was it Rashford double?
0: um Game week, game week 20, what, 29, I played my bench
1: boost. Oh no, triple captain, sorry, I'll move on to now.
0: Oh, sorry, triple captain. What did I do? Uh let's have a look. There was that very uh, popular
1: Haaland weekend. That would have been a of about 240, I think, in, in one of the weeks because it was so widely triple captain.
0: Game week 20, yeah, I did it was Haaland, yeah. Yeah, not um, I did, I actually did all right that week. Um because I had Mares. Oh, if I had triple captain Mares, that would have been massive. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was a that was a risk too far.
1: Yeah, player of what might have been both of us, tri- we both triple captain in the right team, but the wrong player. I did Isaac, not Wilson, and you did Harland and not Mahrez. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had the right team. But yeah, decisions to make for me again. I think the three seasons in a row now, my certainly triple captain and bench boost haven't been the, the common weeks. And I think both times I probably ended up worse off because of it. So it might be a learning for me next year that maybe I do just as dull as it is triple captain again the same player everyone else does in the same week everyone else does it because mm-hmm. um, yeah I don't think it helped me this year so it's probably one area where I've not played optimally this year compared to where the EO and the captains I think I've been fairly good on the whole uh, chip usage, not saying I was bad but it, was, it wasn't what everyone else did and I probably suffered for it bit of what said the one takeaway is don't use your chips in the first half i don't really see a valid reason that that's probably the one big learning that's probably a well, you can say you can't say anything's essential or a must but i, I, I think it'll be really hard to make a valid case where you want to be using any chips before getting week 20 really apart from the enforced wildcard
0: yeah. yeah agreed the other the other point i'll quickly make on this is um i think another reason that people don't necessarily use a chip in the same week that it's popular for everyone else is they think, oh, if I do it this week when nobody else is doing it and I get a really good game week rank, then I'm going to fly fly up the standings, um, which yeah, you might do. But that doesn't mean to say that you can't have a really good game week rank in the week that everybody else does it. So when I bench boosted, I bench boosted in game week 29, which I think was really popular. And my game week rank was 6,120. It was my best week of the season. So it didn't hurt me that I was doing it at the same time as everybody else whatsoever, right? I had a reasonably template team, I think. I had a couple of differentials in there. So Chilwell with nine, I think was a decent differential. Well, I had, um, had Kepper and Chilwell, so Kepa eight, Chilwell nine. I think that was a big part of that you know, massive game week rank. But everybody else, there's nothing there's nothing outstanding there. My bench was Raya, Tony, Botman and Mings. Um, and... Yeah, a really popular week to do it. And I still had a game week rank um 6,120. So you don't necessarily need to just do it in a rogue week just for the, you know, for the sake of um just for the sake of that game week rank. I think I've got to get especially
1: triple captain, I think I've got to get out of my head that it's something that as you say catapult me miles up the leaderboard. You, you can yourself, if I can stay around 50k and I've still got a triple captain in hand, but everyone's used it. That's enough to fire me into the top 10k by itself if I find a player that gets 20 points. Because I don't know how many points are between 50k and 10k. You kind of convince yourself 20 points. That extra 20 might be enough. Especially if you then use it on someone who's EO's about 80%, not the 180% captain. But then if you use it and that player doesn't do a lot, like in my case issue with Bissac, I think he got seven. Triple captain up to 21. It barely had an impact. I think I actually got a red arrow the week I triple captained him just because... It didn't really work out when others have gone elsewhere, so yeah, good point for you, though. Martin, though, that 6,000 I think you get a bit lost on, on Twitter, can't you? And everyone triple captain on there, but that's still a, such a small portion of the game mm. that if a few of bench boost saw a triple captain in line with what Twitter are doing, you're probably still quite differential. Yes, so, lesson for me there. We'll move on to some of our own individual calls for this season, so we'll start with you. Um, just highlighted. I know you had some notes really about things you had you've done wrong, or maybe things you're going to try and learn and improve on. But just like game week nine, up in your case, you got game week rank of about eight point five million. Um, what was it with this week that was especially significant that you think is a is a learning not to do again? I think just too many. Too many
0: risky players, too many players that are injury-prone, rotation risks, too many players that blow hot and cold over the season. Um, I think I just... I, this team was asking for this to happen, right? Just everything came home to roost all in the same week. And I think that is a lesson for me next season, that, um, you know, it's, it's fine to have you know, seven, eight, even nine players that you think everybody else has got. And by the way, it isn't everybody else that's got them. You, you can you can convince yourself into thinking that, but it's probably not true. Um, And yeah, it's just that there. So for the benefit of the audio, I've got um Cancelo in this team, which at the time I think was still reasonably solid. I mean, he wasn't doing brilliantly in, from a fantasy perspective, but I don't think we quite realised he was going to be bombed out in the way he was at that point. But I had Rhys James, who's injury-prone, blows a bit hot and cold. Neko Williams, um, a bit of an unknown quantity. You know, I put myself in a position where I was having to start him. Um, Zaha is in there. Ward-Prowse is in there. Um, You know, Palace and Southampton obviously hadn't had brilliant starts, but I I think I convinced myself, oh, with, with Palace, they've just had tough fixtures or whatever, you know. They'll turn it around um and then similarly with war prowse I, I think i just thought oh these are decent players that nobody's got because they're not playing well um and use that as a reason to pick them rather than well they're not playing well so that's a reason not to pick them and yeah there's just one too many there's just one too many punts in here um where you know other people just would have had you know solid picks um high ownership picks and then probably in that week the template did quite well, and I'm just so far away from it.
1: And you captain um, Salah when
0: Haaland got 23 as well. <laughs> yeah, and I've and I've captain I, yeah, and I've captain Salah. That was the week that Man that Man City destroyed Man United at home. Um, I can't. Foden scored a hat trick, right? Or did they both score a hat trick? I can't remember. I think they did, yeah. yeah. I think they did. So yeah, unnecessary. Just all, all a lot of unnecessary stuff. It was just one risk too many. And I think, um, let's say you you leave yourself open to this kind of week, that and you just don't really need to do it. I think it's. I think I've accepted now that it's fine to accept that the game is moving two or three pieces around, like just gradually through the season, and that's kind of okay. If you get a fire to put out, put it out. That's cool. Um, but I think it's okay to accept that the game is is just moving a few pieces around, um, and that's okay. Um, you know, if, if if you want to finish in the in the higher echelons, does, that doesn't necessarily make it less fun, right? Oh, everybody's got the same team. Well, no, everybody hasn't got the same team. Mm-hmm. Those those two or three players that are different, even if it's only two players, those two players that are different. Those are the two players that's going to make or break your season, and just 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 remind yourself of that. I think rather than thinking, oh yeah, my whole team's got to be different. Like it doesn't, it really doesn't.
1: I think Zaha is in that spot, as a valid punt. You're a bit unlucky. I don't think Neco Williams was meant to play. I think he was auto subbed on for Isak. But we could argue again he was new to the league. I don't know if he was assured mm. of his minutes at that point. Was he necessary no. over the likes of Tony or someone like that? He probably wasn't at that at that point of the season, right? When exactly. you that Tony or someone I say, and the captain, you've ended up there with um, a combined 33 points from Haaland and Salah if you had captained Haaland you would have had 51, which is an 18 point swing, an 18 point swing would have put you 17, you would have been above the average for the week and that might have put you 3-4 million game week rank, I know that's still not amazing mm. but that would have been another rank that you would have been fairly okay with I guess so just even though you've got, as you put it, too many punts here, yeah, James injury-prone, Perisic, you weren't quite sure how many minutes he was going to get. So you've been forced into playing Nico Williams' first sub, which maybe is not the spot you really want him in because his sex not playing. Maybe that wasn't it. And ward Price, you still would have probably been about three million if he just kept in Harden. <laughs> yeah. is, so is, is, is that probably done you more than the punts? I do agree that there's a couple more safely, so you've only got one Arsenal player here, I think that was already going well at this point, you could have had maybe another Arsenal defender instead of mm. Perisic or something, might have been good for you. But but the trouble, the, the,
0: the trouble with this is though, so I take your point about, yeah, just maybe it was just the captaincy that was just that one decision too far, but the trouble with this team is that I then had another 8.5 million game week ranking game week 13 because this team just became a mess and, 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 and that was, that was liable to happen. I don't think it's too hindsighty to say that. This is a team where I was asking for trouble, right? And I got myself into a pickle that I couldn't get out of. So then a few weeks later, I had another 8.5 million game week rank. And in game week 16, I had another 8.5 million game week rank. And I've already used my wildcard by this point as well. So, yeah, I, I think looking back, I was asking for this. Um, and, I, and, I, and I started
1: replacing punts with other punts to, to try and make up for it. Right. So that's the probably get, the one except when you've gone wrong and put it right as quickly as you can. Not necessarily in one week with a minus twelve, but gradually start putting it right and get back on to
0: exactly. So yeah, team. where where I should have just tried to get myself back in order as quickly as possible. By game week thirteen, I had Skamaka and Firmino up front. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I got eight point five million game week rank that week. Kane got eight points. Uh, Mitrovic did well that week as well. Um, and I'm sat there with Skamaka and Firmino. And I think I think Darwin Nunes had got injured the week before. I had Darwin Nunes, I'm pretty sure. And then he got injured or sent off or something. And then I just replaced him with Firmino. So I've replaced one unreliable Liverpool striker with another unreliable Liverpool striker from a fantasy perspective. And I've put Skamaka next to them rather than just going and getting um, Mitrovic or... Or, um, or Tony, or whatever it was that I needed. And I've still got them. By game week 16, I had another 8.5 game week rank, and I've still got Scamacca and Firmino. Because... I've for, them much... for about four weeks. Yeah, because I've got too much other shit to sort out, right? And, and Kane and Tony both got double figures that week. And really, by game week 11, I should have just sorted myself out, but I didn't. I, pu- I started putting out fires with other... You know, trying to, trying to throw something else stupid at it. Um, and it's just unnecessary. It, 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 again, after that pod we did l- last week, where we looked at Ali, the winners' game week rank history, I understand now it would have been fine just to take, even if I needed a minus eight or a minus twelve, just to fix this shit that's on the screen. I'd have been so much better off. Um, and you know, the, I kind of did okay in this in this season. By the end, right? I played. I started to play more template, more sensible after the World Cup. Because I thought I got to try and salvage my season from somewhere, and by the last few weeks, it wasn't in. You know, I was knocking on the door of the top hundred k. Right, if I'd sorted my team out here rather than just throwing shit after more shit, then I probably would have done it. You know, reasonably comfortably. But I just kept causing myself more trouble because I thought yeah. I was chasing my tail, and um,
1: I didn't need to do it. Basically, yeah. As you say, you're bringing players in where obviously if they haul. Hold good for you, but you're needing them to haul, because if only you get two points, the, the the template, I don't know what it was around this time, was it Almiron playing here? Or is it a bit too early for Almiron? Yeah, probably I don't know, was. But yeah? If he was in it, or probably Foden, was. I think mm-hmm. was going well at this point, players like that that you didn't have, you've got Zaha instead of Foden and Ward-Prasse instead of Almiron. You should have just jumped to them two because they were the form players, and I don't know what the ownership was for those two, but significantly more than Zaha and ward Prass, I would imagine. Yeah, it would have been uh, yeah. a lot safer, but hindsight's a wonderful thing, but it's good that you've uh, accepted where you've gone wrong. And
0: Yeah, definitely. I think there is there is sometimes a danger in these conversations of being a hindsight merchant, but I do think there's a genuine lesson here as as well.
1: But... We'll move on to uh, to Darren. He's a little bit different because this was his wild card team. Now, obviously, I think people get I've overemphasised the other chips, but I still think the wild card is the most powerful one out of all of them because it allows you to do so much and set you up for a big chunk of games, not get 10, 15 points more in a particular game week in the case of a triple captain or a bench boost. Maybe free hit can be quite powerful for one week. You could get 30, 40 points on your base team if if it all goes well. But wild card is a a big chip to set you up for a block of games. And sort of following on from what you just said, Martin, about picking too many uh, high-risk players... This wildcard from Darren in game week seven is probably more likely with those sorts of players than the team we just looked at from yours. He's gone full up with a massive collection of randomness, shall we say, here. Doesn't surprise me with Darren, to be honest. But hopefully they'll learn the same way this year to be a bit more strategic because certainly in midfield, Aronson, Sterling and St-Maxim, all three of them in the same team feels... You probably get away with one. I think, yeah. I think one midfield punt spots jumbled around sort of historically about 6.5 million, 7 million, I think is, is okay. Was I don't know if Diaz was still template at this point or people have started to drift off him as well. But one, he's not got a lot of money in midfield with Sterling being the only one of any sort of real value. So he couldn't get up to a Sada or a De Bruyne if he wanted to. And it's full of punch i certainly haven't been at Chelsea long at this point I don't think so he was relying on that taking off right from the get-go Um, will lead particularly good to Warren Aronson I don't know I guess it was quite cheap Um, possibly a valuable punt in that 5 million spot I can't put people off maybe taking a punt around there and not going for Andreas or whoever else it was at that point but yeah does feel
0: Yeah, maybe again, it's it's too, it, again it's too much isn't it and you you get yourself into the headspace of this is what i need to do to climb the ranks and it isn't again we saw last week right the difference between a 1 million game week rank and a 5 million game week rank it's not actually that many points if you've just got one of these and they do well right you're going to be you're going to smash it you know if if the if the rest of the if the rest of the template and inverted commas does well you only need one player outside of that to do well um each week, or even every other week, or every two or three weeks, whatever, to climb the ranks. Um And I think you do you do start to convince yourself that you need this kind of team if you're gonna if you're gonna fly up the table, and you you just don't.
1: Yeah, no, no trip here around this point of the season. is probably one of the big ones, isn't it? He's up. Probably decided, I want to take him on. He's doing well, but I'm going to go against him. I come on, let's see, not many of these five defenders to be fair Trent James and Cancelo in a normal season to find back three right with Saliba as a fourth option and Neko Williams as the third sub it's not necessarily a bad back five that he's picked in terms of structure I think it's fairly good but maybe going against Stripia was one not the most sensible strategy at this point it's it's the, it's the midfield and Chai Adams right Harlan and Jesus is fine with a cheap I understand the need for a cheaper third forward maybe but yeah, Che Adams is never going to be someone that gets you ten plus goals, right? That's if you have to, if you're relying on playing him in quite a lot of weeks, he's going to be two points quite a lot of the time. I think I don't know how the equivalent of him would be for this upcoming season. He'd be probably getting Buddy Edward or someone like that up front, wouldn't it? We'd not <laughs> be, we, we be doing that.
0: Whoever plays up front for Burnley when they share their goals around and <laughs> oh, how would did Burnley win three nil again and he's still not returned? So yeah, that's, uh, yeah I can see that
1: happening. <laughs> I'm he did. I don't know if he ever got to have Diego Costa, Darren, but he seems like a sort of player he on for a couple of weeks. So he was good five years ago, <laughs> I'll get him in. But we'll take the mick out of him while he's not here. Hopefully, uh, he said he's going to listen to us to a little bit more this year. Not that we uh, know everything about the game, but I think if he does listen to us to even a little bit more, he's got a decent chance of doing better this year than last year, I think. Hopefully so. <laughs> then on to mine. So. Game week 12 to game week 16, a hideous run. I dropped from 70k overall to 305k pretty much. All the scores were 4.5 mil or more. Two of them around 7 mil, one another one over 6 mil. It was a disaster little streak of five game weeks. Um, I put my transfers up, not to try and make myself feel better, but looking back at the transfers around this time, they're not actually that bad. The player on the right is the person I've removed. The player on the left is the person i bought in. So James Docky, I think, is a bad one. That can be chalked off as a bad one. Madison to Trossard, I think it freed up money. Trossard was going well at the time for Brighton. I think they had good games. I only had him for one week, actually, to be fair. And he went for Foden, who I got in at the end of his good run of form when he was, uns- was just randomly dropped. So I missed the three or four weeks of good Foden and got him in when he got dropped. So I-, I guess that was a bit unlucky. The Boina to Salah seems reasonable. Bowen to Saka's an upgrade. Tony to Wilson. I think Wilson just scored a hat-trick against Villa the week before this, or two goals and two assists, or something the week before this. So it's a bit hindsight in doing it a week after he got his haul. But I think Tony had Man City coming up. He, he obviously, that's one of the weeks he got the double-figured return, I think, at the Etihad. But Tony to Wilson made a bit of sense. And Mitrovic was also in some trouble and I got him out for Jesus. So I don't think. Most of those transfers individually, you look, you feel like you've got probably an upgrade there or at least the like for like. But um, it goes to show you still need a bit of luck, I guess. I'm not putting it all down to bad yeah. luck. I had Mark Guihi, uh had to play every game week of this run. I think I said, I think you played five weeks and you got 10 points. You got one clean sheet. You got six points one week. In the other four weeks, you got four points, two, two ones and a zero or something. Again, messing around with players you shouldn't be messing around with, even if the fixture's on paper. I think at the time they were quite good for Palace, probably why you ended up with Zaha in your team. Mm. Seems like it was a logical thing to do, but do we need to be messing around with, albeit good players, but from bottom half teams? Is that just something that can be avoided? Um, Especially this year, just gone by Arsenal players were so cheap, Newcastle players were so cheap. We could easily get 11 players out, probably from the top, the best five or six teams. Yeah. Whether we need to be messing around with Crystal Palace players, Leicester players, um, and players like that, I don't know. Maybe that's a learning for me. Where possible, don't even if someone's a talisman for a, a weaker club, don't get swayed into getting. Like, I guess Madison's been the prime example of recent years, and I guess most times people have had him have actually probably done quite well out of him. He has got some double figure returns, but do we need to be owning players like that? And certainly, only players like that that we're relying on every week, which was the problem. I think I got Guihi in to be my first sub, but again, through circumstances, through being not sure what defender to are playing any given week, I've oh, always got a home game against. Um, I don't know Southampton this week. I'll pick him. And he certainly get a clean sheet.
0: Yeah, well, that's the that's the other thing about having a solid base, isn't it? If you've got a solid base, then you can bring someone in like Madison or Zaha. And you think right, they're in for four weeks, and then at the end of that four weeks, unless you've been, you know, pr- unlucky that somebody's got injured or, or whatever, you can legitimately move them out. Whereas if you've if you've got too many of these kinds of players, you might get to the end of that four weeks and think, well, I don't really want Zaha anymore, but I've also got this dead over here that I need to get rid of. <laughs> because do, do you know what I mean. It's like the more the more you've got a solid base, the more you can legitimately just bring these kind of players in and out. Whereas if you've got too many of them, it just becomes a mess. Um, and I think what this also demonstrates, this slide is, yeah, of course, you're going to have some bad luck through the season. Like you you will make transfers that look really, really solid on paper and it still won't work out. So so that being the case, you, you, you already know that you're going to have some bad weeks and some bad luck because that's just... The nature of the game. So, so why compound that by also, you know, having a team that's got too many players where you're kind of asking for it because you're going to get it anyway. So, so why bring it on to yourself even more? um,
1: If that makes sense. Not a lesson. I've only just noticed it now. I did like making a transfer sort of between ten o'clock at night and midnight. All the transfers (laughs) in this block of time become. I think it was I got hooked on looking at the price prediction sites and I didn't at this point of the season I was very hooked on team value and I was moving players as soon as someone was on the brink of going down. I think there was quite a lot of times when the player I wanted to bring in was going up and the player I wanted to sell was going down. Obviously an 0.2 swing if you allow both of those things to happen. So I was doing it before going to bed, I think, quite regularly at this point. So I was I was very much on top of prices early in the season. I think we'll get that might be a talking point for when we sort of look at all of the Sort of things you might want to do to make sure you get a good start i do think it's quite important at the start of the year to get your team value up obviously this year just got it wasn't so important because there were so many players from brighton and arsenal that were so cheap but historically in fpr i think if you've got an extra million over most going into the end of the season it could be quite useful and you build that up at the start by making good choices so that's one for another pod um that might be the last slide right i think it is, it is. yeah yeah so yeah, a um, little bit of a uh, decent chat. Say so it's a bit of a dead point of the season for FPL, but it's still a good time to to look back on things you did wrong and try and improve on them and try not to make the same we use the word mistakes loosely, but try not to make those mistakes again. And yeah. I'm sure like game week six next year you'll be having a decision very similar to this. And hopefully we can we can look back and think, well, we discussed that in June. Don't do that move because this reason, that reason. And yeah. Yeah, I wanna
0: I wanna have a look at that. I don't know if it will fit into a future pod or um we'll we'll get it in somewhere. But I want to create like a a set of rules for myself. So before I make my moves each week, just you know nothing too in depth. Just a little, a few bullet points, like so I can just quickly look at it and say, "Actually, actually, Martin, what are you doing?" Because you know three you're hitting three of your five. Don't do this bullets or or you're only hitting two of your five, you know, conditions for doing it. I don't want it to be too rigid, but I think I just think I'd benefit from that because it's it's easy to make a rash decision, right? It's really, really difficult to be, or well, for me it is anyway, to, to be actually disciplined over 38 weeks um and do and do the right thing each week. Um and it only takes a couple of weeks where you do things in the heat of the moment that you kind of instantly regret, and then your team ends up in a pickle. Um, so I really want to avoid that. I'm, I'm going to have a post-it on my uh, on my laptop or on my you know monitor. It's a, you know just a quick list of dos and don'ts, and try and avoid this this mess that I got into
1: early on this season. I think. This is something that make your transfers in your office or on the toilet on your phone instead. Where you're not got to, you've not got a post-it note to, in in view. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: oh.
1: Cool. We had one
0: question, Craig. It's not really to do with this, but we, <laughs> we we can round round off with it if you fancy. Yeah, yeah, I'll go for it. Um, so so at the time of recording, West Ham have just won uh, the Conference League and the, the Champions League final was coming up for anybody who's uh, catching up with these pods. But Pep Talk has asked, um, what are your feelings on supporting other English clubs in European competitions? Um, do you support other English clubs? Does it depend who it is? Um, and how they rank in comparison to your club or do you just hope that they all lose um, so that other fans
1: don't have the success? Um, I think last night was a strange one for me because I'm obviously from the area of West Ham literally all of my close mates support West Ham now you could look at this two ways one should I be happy for them that um they've had success because Villa haven't had what a playoff final right but on the grand scheme of things Lebanon, certainly in terms of big trophies we're not won one for a while and my first thought is i don't want them to win but as the game was going on last night and certainly after the game had finished i i, I did kind of come around to the thought that i am quite happy to won. i think it was looking at a collection of in west ham's case yesterday quite a lot of good pros that have been around for a long time they're they sort of mm. premier league football as well the likes of antonio the likes of ben rama um not so much rice but there was there was plenty of players in on there last night that have had fairly good careers played in the Premier League for five ten years Moyes fits into this as well you think it's nice for everyone to celebrate a couple of trophies in their careers if you play football for 15 20 years you deserve to win and give that dedication commitment and that longevity I don't think it's that unreasonable that you can expect to retire having won a League Cup or having won an FA Cup or something just to Mm -hmm. Can you imagine retiring after 15 years and having kids and talking to your grandkids one day? You've like, what did you do in your career? I played 300 Premier League games. Did you win anything? No. Because you spent all your time playing for teams that finished like 10th or something. And I think as the game finished yesterday, I was very much of the mindset, I'm 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 happy for these players now that they can retire with their one sort of big moment. And I guess for fans as well, maybe the generation up from us, but there's probably a bit of people who are in their 50s and stuff now that have supported West Ham for 35, 40 years. They don't get those sort of moments, right? And we were yeah. at Game Week 39. I played in Game Week 39. And we was talking in the pub after with James from Panic FPL when he was talking about the Tottenham Ajax game. And I think he knew then that in his lifetime watching Tottenham, he's probably not, never going to get that opportunity again to be involved and support a team in that way and have his team give him that sort of moment. And I think all football fans probably deserve a moment as well if we're going to support a team for 40, 50 years, then should we get one of those? So maybe it was because it was West Ham and if it's the likes of Brentford, Crystal Palace, if, if one of those sorts of teams do well, yeah, I think I probably would support them. I'm a bit not so inclined to support teams like Man United because most of their fan base have had plenty of moments already. Um So I think it does kind of depend who it is to a point. Um, and... I haven't certainly got allegiances to overseas teams. It's not like I really like Barcelona. I've always liked Barcelona since since I was a kid. So if Barcelona play in the final, I want them to win. I think a lot of people probably have thoughts about Man City. The longer it'd be quite funny the amount of money they've spent and invested <laughs> and how right they've tried if their wait for the Champions League carries on. I think I'll be supporting okay. Man City on the weekend. I think it's quite nice for an English team to win that. But uh, there is a part of me that thinks it would be what they've been trying for now, 10, 15 years to win. It'd be quite funny if it took another 10, 15 years. There is that part of me that <laughs> wants that weight to carry on.
0: I completely agree with that. I was going to say exactly the same thing. <laughs> Obviously, like as a Reading fan, I don't really I, I don't have a dog in the fight in, in terms of, you know, Reading aren't rivals with anybody that's going to win a European trophy, right? Certainly <laughs> not at the moment. Um, although Reading and West Ham did... West Ham got promoted back to the Premier League the same year that we won the championship. And uh, yeah, then I'm winning a European trophy and we've just been relegated to League One. But uh, so, yeah, like for me, like the rivalry thing doesn't come into it at all. So I do tend to instinctively think I want the English club to win. I don't really care if they don't. But, you know, while while, while it's happening, you think, oh, yeah, you know, it'd be nice if the English team won. But I do agree with you that it would be quite funny if that's city lost at the weekend. It's, <laughs> so, it's, it's yeah, a little yeah.
1: story within a story with them isn't it? And so the longer it goes on, and the, the more money they throw at it, and the bigger like, they brought Harland in to win, that it'd be quite funny if he, they still have to carry on waiting. Hmm.
0: Um,
1: but yeah, in general, I think I do. I think I, I've got a, a, a particular dislike. Even I'm not from Manchester. I've got, I've got. A, Particular dislike for Man United. Um, I think purely because when I was at school, too many of my school friends or too many people in my school supported them. And considering my, where I grew up was 300 miles away from Manchester, there really shouldn't be half my school supporting Man United. So I can't really talk because I didn't support the local team either. But at least I supported a team. I think I was the only person in my whole school supporting supported Villa in the East End of mm. London. But five minutes from Upton Park, there really should have been... Trump to weighty United percent of West Stanley fans, and yet yeah, we had about 50 percent Man United. And then clubbed that with the fact they, they kept winning that, that this was like mid 90s where they won a lot of stuff, and you get that rubbed in your face in the playground every day. I just grew up hating Man United because of that. Mm. Um, so I haven't got the same dislike of Birmingham that most Villa fans have probably got because I'm not from that area. So if, I feel like you do need a team that you dislike, yeah. And it's then for me. So I never particularly want Man United to win stuff. But I think everyone else, I'm kind of all right with winning.
0: Yeah, yeah, same. Yeah. <laughs> so I think generally, Pep, we're we're happy for the English clubs to, to win. I think it's come about
1: because I think he I think said on the chat yesterday that he wanted all the English teams to lose, right? I think and other people in that chat sort of took him to task on it. So I think he's trying to work out if he's in the minority or not, because we kept quiet in that yeah. chat. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's true. Just very, just very quickly. What I don't understand is English English fans that want Scotland and Wales and Ireland to do well in stuff that I do not understand. But that I think that's a bit different.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wouldn't cheer any of those three countries on a major tournament, I even if I'm already knocked out. I, I've got no allegiance more to Wales than what I've got to Brazil. Um Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, yes.
0: I'm. Pro- I, and you know the amount of the amount of shit they give us. Like they, they aren't ever, <laughs> none of them are ever going to cheer in England, win, are they? Why am I going to support them? Like no. no. <laughs> anyway, that's that's off topic, and we've been going for over an hour, so we'll wrap it up.
1: <laughs> yeah, I will do a like, follow, and subscribe this week. Uh, that's all I had to say, isn't it? Is <laughs> it? I've had lots of practice. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully uh, get some more subscribers and followers um, before the season starts. We so say we're going to try and do at least one pod a week. There'll be some weeks we we'll maybe do two. Um, try and do a little bit for all sort of experiences of managers. We'll do some basic beginner type stuff if we to get some of those newer players, new more casual players into the game. Um, might start liking our content. I think some of our stuff, a lot of weeks can be quite deep. And I guess for a casual player or a new player, it may be goes over their head a little bit or is maybe a bit too deep for what they want at that point of their journey playing FPL. So I think we are going to do some more basic pods as well that can maybe help people, but we'll do some more, um some breakdowns of things that are going to help us going into game week one. I think it's the main thing. We want to make good starts, right? So yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. That. We'll do that. Okay. Thanks, mate. Thanks, everybody. See you later.